Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That is our goal here every single day. Forgive our background. We're working on a little something, something over here. Pretend none of that is here. Just look at Maria's beautiful face. Just look at me. (laughs) Uh, Our quote of the day is from our guest today. Mindset is the biggest influencer of our daily choices and our long-term success. So, Heel Squad, welcome back. Uh, Today, we're going to be chatting with Dr. Foster about health and wellness for the new year. And for those who are looking to lose weight and keep it off, this is the episode for you. Dr. Gary says it's not about what you eat, but your mindset around your health and weight loss, that is key. Kelsey, I know you're really excited for this. He's a former chief scientific officer at uh, Weight Watchers International. So that means he's done some studying. So Queen, what are your favorite um, things that you've gotten from your pre-chat with him you know i just find it fascinating like he talked about at the beginning of his book he talked about how he had this kind of like preconceived idea like a lot of people do about weight loss and like oh they're just not disciplined and they're mm-hmm. just not this and they're just not that and they're he, not willpower exactly exactly and he <laughs> it's like and the whole shame that comes with that mm-hmm. and he talks about how he quickly like switched and realized oh that's not it at all and like his his empathy grew for like in that area and he I don't know I just say I think it's fascinating and that's when he kind of dove into this idea of that it's all about mindset and surrounding yourself with the people who aren't going to be saying that because if you surround yourself with those people then you're not going to lose weight or you'll lose it and then it'll come back I think the science behind your mind body like it's fascinating to me yeah so I'm excited as you were saying that I could just hear my mom because she would always say Maria don't have willpower and I'm like mom yeah you do but I think it's like the, it's like anything. It's everything's environmental. We all say what everybody else says. I don't have willpower. I failed. I quit. I can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and, or, you know, whatever it is, we all just start saying the same things and act in the same way because our lives are all about fitting in. Because if you don't fit in, you're not loved. If you're not loved, you're, anyway. What so, did Brian teach us? When there's difference, there's shame. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I really liked what he was saying about the mindset and that it isn't about what you eat or what you don't eat and, and, and just the, the shame culture around weight. And I remember I grew up thin Mm -hmm. and anytime I was like probably growing and getting taller, I would get thinner. My dad would come home with like these big chocolate bars because he'd be like, you're too skinny. So you get shamed or you're too skinny. And then, then I really enjoyed the chocolates. <laughs> and then I started getting bigger. Then everybody was looking at me like, you're too big. I mean, you just can't win. And, you know, weight for a girl is really, really challenging um, as you get older. And um, and I just think, like, I remember I competed in some pageants and 
I went to college and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, all the drinking. I'm like, no, it was the food. It was like the pizza at midnight and all of that. And I wasn't smoking pots. It wasn't munchies, everybody. It was just. (laughs) It's the access to it. Yeah. And I was sad and I was unhappy. And so all of that just, I gained not the freshman 20, the freshman 40. Mm. And um, there were some other elements in there too, but. I gained a considerable amount of weight. Luckily, I'm tall, so it redistributed pretty well. So I was well endowed in the front and the back. (laughs) I had two shelves, one in the front, one in the back. I'm envious of that. What? (laughs) I said I'm envious of that. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, and I, but I was, you know, a size, I was, when I started going into size 14, I was like, okay, I got to drop the hammer. I got to do something. Um, My dad's type 1 diabetic. And I knew what I wanted to do in my career and in my life. And I knew at that time I was cool. I didn't care. I was like, if I ever am going to have a little extra weight on me, it's now. I'm in college. I'm a kid. Um, I had the wherewithal to know this is my moment to just not care. But at the same time, at some point, it's like, okay, you can't let it just keep on going. Um, so I, I focused on it. And I wrote an entire book that's sitting on the shelf right over there, The Every Girl's Guide to diet and fitness, how I kept, how I lost 40 pounds and kept it off and how you can too. And I have a similar mentality to Dr. Foster. And I know as we get into it, we'll talk more about it. But for me, it was, uh, it was about not telling anyone I wasn't, I never put myself on a diet. It was hard to even title that book because I didn't want to use the word diet, but, but you kind of have to, cause it's the only word everyone really understood at the time too. Um, so I never put myself on a diet. I just was like, I'm going to eat a little less. That was my first goal. I'm just going to eat a little less. And that was hard because when that pizza showed up, I wanted six plus slices of pizza. So I would cut down to five and I'd want that sixth because my stomach was wide enough to accept the sixth at this point, right? Your stomach just stretches. And so I fought and I held on, okay, Molly and I have the five. And then when I'd have my bacon, egg, and cheese bagel, I would cut a little like nugget of the bread off, like a bite of the bread on the top. And then when that got easy, I would take a little bit more off, a little bit more off. And then all of a sudden I'm having half a bagel and then a little bit more. And so and then the slices of pizza kept going down. So literally that mentality took 20 pounds off in about six months just eating a little less. And I remember getting on my scale. I remember Kevin, I was so young. Um, I was a junior in college. And I remember saying to Kevin, Kevin, my clothes are falling off. And I never could understand how weight came off. I'm like, how does this, I would grab it on my leg or my hip. My, how does this go away? And I said, I think, I think I lost weight. My clothes are falling off. And he's like, I was like, I don't know. He hadn't noticed. And I got on the scale and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Cause I was home in Medford at my mom's Hilarious. house. I had lost 20 pounds, but I didn't have a scale at college. Mm. So I just was taking a little bit less. And then from there I had all the motivation I needed. I saw the possibilities and I was like, okay, now I'm going to really focus. And so I had my charts. I had a trainer to one day with me, one hour and, um, and he put me on a plan or she, sorry, this, this was a different trainer. She put me on a plan and I just copied it for the next six months. I did it every day. It was like the Stairmaster for 45 minutes, Woof. a couple days a week. And then I would I do this the whole circuit <laughs> and I would do the circuit and then I would really eat clean and kind of try to count calories. Cause back then counting calories was a big deal. So I would kind of like, okay, this was the input, this was the output, just keeping myself on track. I think the biggest thing too is before I said, I'm just going to eat a little less, I identified my biggest problem. So I I had a diary for, I think it was a week and I wrote down everything I ate down to the piece of gum, the lifesaver, whatever it was, I would notate it down. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, carbs are your issue. Cool. And so that's when I started saying, okay, I'm just going to eat a little bit less. So when I was at a dinner, I still had dessert. I just didn't eat the whole thing. And then 
The other thing, again, it's all mindset. The other thing I teach people is you have to get addicted to the high of saying no. When you show you have willpower, people are, it's like they're seeing magic. When you can say no to dessert at dinner, it's like you're an alien, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So get addicted to that high of, oh, wow, I said no. And I, and and it's impressive to people. So um, those were some of the things that I did, but I do believe mindset is really important. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. When I, when I like how, what you did too, it's like, it's not like you completely restricted yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I was in the complete opposite camp of being too skinny and, I, and having an eating disorder and people were like, you're too skinny, you're too this. But I was like of the ultimate like completely restrictive control, you know? And I think that often it'll be interesting to talk to Dr. Gary because he um, was like, like clinical financial, something like that um, of one of the eating disorder programs at Pennsylvania university, I believe it is. But I think that that's like something people easily fall into when they want to lose weight is like the obsessive, like restrictive and that's where it becomes unhealthy. So like listening to your story, it wasn't that at all. So you were easily able to transition into just like a healthy lifestyle. You know, yeah. it wasn't like you were like, I'm not doing any of this or any of that ever again. And I think that, you know, that's, that's the mindset right there where it's like, no, I'm just taking a little bit less and this it's, and it's good for me and I feel good, you know? So yeah, it'll be interesting to hear. Like, I want you to talk to him about your, you know, your journey. Yeah, well, because the last 20 were just like really focusing. And then what happens, guys, your stomach starts to shrink Mm -hmm. and you can't eat as much. Yeah. And so it got to a point where it was shrinking too much. And I'm like, I looked at myself. I told you this about you now. I was like really worried because I'm like, oh gosh, she's getting really thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You'll get to a place where I was eating a salad and I'm like, I can't eat this. This is too much. I'm full. I I couldn't finish a salad. And then I was like, okay, now I got to push the other way a little to get myself back to a normal state. And then from there, because it took a whole year to lose the 40 pounds Mm -hmm. and I did it on my own, it took a whole year. I had new healthy practices in life again. Now I'm also lucky I had a healthy foundation because we ate healthy growing up. So Mm -hmm. it was just kind of returning to a normal, but, um, trust me when you've had a taste of the other side, it's like, steak and cheese subs every day and french fries and everything. Wow. I mean, I had like a party. Um, so yeah, you, you have to get, you have to do it slowly to be able to maintain it right. and make it a lifestyle, exactly. which people talk about all the time now. Um, that's and, what yours was. It was yeah. a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a diet. It was a lifestyle. Yeah. So I think that's so cool. So for you, um, what did you have to do to get better? Oh, listen to my mom. (laughs) She was like, it's hard because when you're really thin in college, like it was glorified and that's what really like, you know, encouraged my, encouraged my eating disorder. Cause it's like, you're in a sorority and everyone's like wanting to lose weight and this and that. And oh my God, Kelsey, you look so good. You're so skinny. I was getting attention Mm, and reward. Exactly. That I never had before. So it became, you know, such a control thing for me. Um, and I remember my mom, cause I really, I went home maybe twice a year and I remember she came to pick me up for summer and she was like, Oh hell no. Oh, absolutely not. And we went to like the local, um, 
burger place and she watched me and forced me to oh yeah she was like absolutely not is that a healthy thing to do probably not <laughs> probably not but it was it was like i thought you were gonna say she checked you into a facility no, where they could figure no. it out i think with me i think she and i have such a understanding like it, it probably isn't healthy but she knows that i would listen to her like she's probably one of the only people no that's great yeah you, you know, know when someone's laying the gauntlet down that loves you exactly and you're like oh okay let me get my rudder back on exactly track. yeah it's like there's very few people like if you tell me something i'll listen yeah kevin my mom like those are probably the only people so for me it was like and she would help me um she never pushed or was rude or annoying but she would like when i would make my breakfast she would kind of like help me and she would add an extra scoop of peanut butter and be like it's fine I promise like it's okay and kind of like encourage me in those ways and then it was when I started my first job and I was it was I was actually at Nordstrom but I was so happy and had a great group of friends and good people around me that I was happy that and I wanted to eat and I and I so it's so funny how much it ties to your emotions Mm. too um like you talking about you ate more because you were sad I ate less I think because I was sad and wanted to control. So anyways, yeah. And then, you know, it's something I still like definitely struggle with, but I I have a lot healthier like outlook on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wild world though. It's a thing. It's a thing. It really, really is. All right. Well, let's talk to Dr. Gary Foster. He is the chief scientific officer uh, at WW, formerly Weight Watchers International. I don't know what that means, Kelsey. It's called, it's just called W. We'll ask Gary. So it's now just it's just w- called WW. W- exactly. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> He's the founder and former director of the Center for Obesity Research and Education at Temple University. He served as clinical director of the White and Eating Disorders Program at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. He's the author of numerous scientific publications on psychology, causes, and treatment of obesity and has worked with thousands. Uh... Dr. Foster, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Maria. Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you. Were you able to hear our conversation prior? No, he wasn't was able not. to hear. Okay, we were talking a little bit about um, kind of our journeys through weight situations. Kelsey having, uh, unfortunately, she she dealt with an eating disorder. I gained a lot of weight in college. And before you prejudge me, Dr. Foster, it was not all the booze and it wasn't the munchies. I just ate a lot. <laughs> um, but I wrote a book um, called The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, chronicling my 40 pound weight loss journey. And it took me a year and I did it on my own. But I really connect with your message about mindset because for me, I think that's exactly what I applied. It was I'm not on a diet. I'm just going to eat a little less. When a little less gets easy, I'm going to do a little bit less. And then I just kept slowly taking it down from there. And I never told anyone I was on a diet because I knew at the time it was a setup for failure. I didn't want to feel failure because I was trying to do something. So if I wanted to have dessert tonight, I didn't want anyone looking at me like you said you were on a diet. You know, all of those kind of things um, are, are really important, I think, to help set you up because there is so much shame around falling off the wagon and, and having some, some weight issues. So tell everybody a little bit about where this book came from. I have it right here. The Shift, Seven Powerful Mindset Changes for Lasting Weight Loss. And you know, this is the time of year that everyone's focusing on this. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the book came out of my own personal experience, just as as working with someone, working with lots of people who were struggling with their weight over some 30 years, but also my experience as someone who's done a lot of research, published a lot of papers and done a lot of studies. And what became clear to me uh, year after year, patient after patient, is that the people who were most successful in a weight and wellness journey weren't surprisingly those who kept fastidious food records or lost weight every week or nailed their activity plans every day or every week. Um, While eating and activity are important, they're not sufficient. And what really distinguished people who were successful and those who weren't was their mindset. And more specifically, how they thought about themselves and how they thought about the journey Um, So that was the major inspiration and also didn't really believe that the field or that people who were trying to manage their weight and wellness needed another diet book, to your point, that, you know, diets are by definition pretty strict, draconian 
onerous. Eat, always eat this, never eat that. So you won't find any recipes in this book. You won't find any uh, suggestions about what to eat or not eat. Again, not that eating is unimportant, but without the right mindset, Mm -hmm. any attempts to change your eating and activity will be dramatically short-lived. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here and I realize I'm like, I kind of did a combination of everything because, and I said it earlier, I should have probably just waited till you were on, but I, I knew I had to lose weight. And, uh, what I did was I journaled for a week, everything I ate and I realized carbs were my issue because you don't realize what you're really doing and, and you don't realize, Oh, it could be sodas. It could be sugar. It could be whatever. So I decided at that point I was going to eat a little less. And then I woke up one day and my clothes were hanging off of me. Five months later, I lost 20 pounds. And then that was the kind of motivating factor for me to really focus. And I did chart things. I was, you know, very kind of detailed about it because I was so excited. So I was eating really clean and I was really proud of myself and I was working out and I was doing all that stuff. And then I lost the last 20 Um, and then I do believe that if you do it slowly, it becomes your lifestyle. It becomes your way of eating. It becomes your way of life. And then you can maintain it. I had done some of the fad diets at that time. I mean, this is when I was in college, but it was like the grapefruit diet, the coffee diet, the, you know, I didn't do any pills, thank God, because I just knew that wasn't a good idea. I was like, none of that feels like a good idea. Um, we just have to control what goes in and then what you're putting out. Um, but I think that, you know, the psychology of it is, is really important. So talk to me about what you have found with people. We talked a little bit about shame earlier and the failing and the, the idea that they don't have willpower. What can you share with us that might change our perspective on how we talk to ourselves? When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. I think one is just to acknowledge the pervasive, pernicious, just nasty weight-based and shape-based stigma that exists in our culture. And it exacerbates uh, issues around eating disorders, as you discussed earlier, but also around people who are trying to, in a healthy way, manage their weight. And what so what about that is not only is it mean, it's ineffective that often what people do is internalize that nastiness, that stigma, and start a weight and wellness journey from a position of self-recrimination to say that, how did I let myself get here again? I can't believe it. I have no willpower. I'm undisciplined. As if that tough self-talk actually is motivating. And the data are very clear on this. That kind of talking to yourself saps you of motivation. And if instead you can begin the journey, any journey, it could be about personal relationships. It could be about work performance. It could be about weight and wellness from a position of strength which says, and it's a position of self-compassion that says, um, no matter what I weigh, right now, as I am at this millisecond, I am worth taking care of. And what that does is it turns the journey upside down. Instead of going to dieter's prison and eating wacky foods and making up for past transgressions as if eating some moral issue, it says, how can I treat myself and my body with the reverence and respect that it deserves. And that's kind of compassionate realism just changes everything about the journey. 
It starts to feel as you talked about your own experience. I could hear the way you were talking about it. You tried this, you increased your awareness, but it was always in the way of treating yourself in a kind way. And the more the journey feels like it's positive, not punitive, the more it feels like you're doing something for yourself, not against yourself, the better. So what if you don't have enough self-worth? What if you don't feel like you deserve it? Because if you're that low, and and most people, when they have a weight issue, feel really low. Their family's making fun of them. The friends are making fun of them. Everyone's, you know, looking at you differently. People treat you differently. How do you help somebody find that self-worth? The most proven scientific technique is called talk to yourself like a friend. So the first thing, just as you started to track what you're eating, you can actually use those same self-monitoring skills those same tracking skills to start to pay attention to how you're thinking. What actually am I saying to myself? And I work with with people over lots of years and the kind of things people say to themselves, they would never utter out loud, let alone to another human being. So that first is just to increase your awareness. So what exactly are you saying to yourself? And just write that down. You don't have to spend 20 minutes with it, but write down a few sentences, a few phrases of the things you say to yourself. And then contrast that to how you might talk to a friend if they came to you with the same situation, that I am X pounds, I'm X overweight, I have no worth, I blew my diet, whatever the the phrases you're using, do a reality check in that way. And then you can compare, how do I talk to myself versus how I would talk to a friend? And then you can use that as an anchor to say, let me talk again, as you did with your own experience, let me make some small changes. I'm not going to go from being self-critical to self-compassionate overnight, but I can actually start to take some steps and do a reality check. You know, Kelsey, I think this is where high-fiving yourself in the mirror would actually really be helpful. So we had Mel Robbins on the show um, recently, and she talked about the benefits of just a high-five in the mirror every day and how much it does to your psychology. So I think if you're on a journey like this, that would really be a helpful little tool Um, for the people who feel like maybe skeptical that mindset um, could be a possibility um, here, that that is something that is really key to weight loss. What would you say? What research could you give them to support it? I could say that there's been lots of research on basically all of the steps that are in the book, but particularly self-compassion. So there's, there's studies done by Kristen Neff at the University of Texas and others that actually go through in-lab experiments where people um, would be exposed. These are people who are trying to manage their weight, would be exposed um, to cookies as part of a, a ruse a little bit for a taste test. And then they would be randomly assigned to a self-compassion intervention just for several minutes, just reading some text, uh, reading some techniques or another kind of intervention that had nothing to do with self-compassion. And then as part of this taste test experiment, they were given a bowl of M&Ms that they could just eat as much as they wanted um, and you know, while you're waiting. And it turned out that people who were engaged in the self-compassion condition actually ate significantly less. And it's because if, if you, again, if it's so powerful just to think about, um, I am worth taking care of and I have fundamental value. This isn't pop psychology. This is legit science and it makes intuitive sense. The more you beat yourself up, you are your most important ally on this journey, Mm -hmm. on any journey. And the more you cut yourself off, the more you denigrate yourself, the more you say nasty things. I often will say to patients I'm working with, like, that's you you're talking about. Like that, you're your most important ally. I love that. I um I remember smiling when I was reading that part in the book where it's like talk to yourself like you would a friend. And it's true, but we forget. Um in the book you talk about seven powerful mindset changes. Can you go through each of those with us? 
Sure. One we've already talked about is self-compassion. And, you know, we, we've talked about what that is in terms of how important it is. And it's really the cornerstone of the rest of the techniques in the book. Um, the other is to identify and build, identify unhelpful thinking styles. Um, things like all or none thinking. I've blown, I'm a success or I'm a failure. I'm on a diet or I'm off a diet. Um, another type of unhelpful thinking style is selective filtering. So people had planned to work out take a walk, whatever, four times, they did it three times. They overly focus on the one time they didn't rather than celebrating the three times that they did. Uh, another one is um, sort of magnifying one event into it'll be forever. Like somebody gains, has lost 40 pounds, they gain three and they're, I'm right back where I started. Here, I like, no, not right back where you started. Yeah. You had a small setback. Hey, you probably um, had a bigger glass of water. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. It's exactly, such a small margin. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and that that really is that second step around identifying your unhealthy thinking styles is important around dealing with setbacks. Um, so one of the things that's really important to consider about setbacks is that they happen to 100% of the people 100% of the time. And a lot of people start out with a very strict, again, diet-like mentality of, I'm only going to eat this, never going to eat that, as if that's going to go on forever. It goes on mm-hmm. for minutes, hours, days, maybe, maybe weeks, but there will be setbacks. And how you handle them with self-compassionate, realistic thinking makes a difference. The, the next is, is setting goals. And um, we often think like, think big, bold, audacious goals. And uh, whether it's, you know, I'm going to take a bad marriage into a perfect marriage. I'm going to run a marathon, even though I'm a couch potato right now, or I'm going to lose 50. Like, they're great. They're North Stars. They're nice things. But those kind of lofty North Stars don't have any utility unless they are guided by small, specific steps. Mm. So one of the take-home messages from science is the smaller the goal, the closer it is to your current behavior, and the more specific it is, the more likely it will be accomplished. So if you say, I want to be healthier, I want to eat better, I want to eat more fruits, like what what does that really mean? Be as specific as you can, um, or if you're trying to decrease something, if you're eating cookies five days a week, you wouldn't say, I'm not going to have them. You might say, my goal is to have it for four. And the beauty of that small steps is that it allows people to enjoy their celebrations along the way. Mm-hmm. And that gives fuel for the journey rather than saying, I can't celebrate till I run the marathon. Absolutely. I can't celebrate till I lose 50 pounds. No, yeah. celebrate every step it's along the way. It's too far in it. Exactly. Like I never said I'm going to lose 40 pounds. I didn't have, actually I had no goal. I just was going to eat less and see what happened. It's the same thing with working out. And I always tell people like, when I haven't worked out in a long time, which is a lot, I go through my my cycles. And so um, what I'll do is I'll start with something small. I'm just going to walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes. I'm just going to get myself back in the gym, do something small so I feel like it's not this overwhelming thing, or I'll walk in the neighborhood. And, and then you build on that. But if you say, I got to go work out for one hour and I got to do all this stuff, now you're going to dread it the next day because your body's not used to it yet. You're not used to all of these changes. So if you just do small little things that then you accumulate, you're going to have a much better time and it's going to be so much easier for you. And then you're going to enjoy it, like you said, and then you're going to start to see the results and then you're going to get high off the results. Yeah. And it's just not only important on the back end, as you demonstrate, like afterwards, you'll feel better, but also on the front end, because if, if you're if your threshold mentality is I have to do this for an hour, there's lots of reasons that you can't make an hour. Mm-hmm. If you say I'm going to get into this for five or 10 minutes, that's an easier, more digestible chunk to get started. So mm-hmm. it's, it's actually brilliant to take those small steps approach It builds success and goes along the way. Um, another shift is, again, this is all building on the foundation of self-compassion is to lead into your strengths. I've worked with lots of folks who sort of see this as a, a whack-a-mole game of, I have to fix this deficiency and this deficiency and this deficiency. And building upon your strengths makes a big difference. I remember somebody I worked with was a really successful executive, had gone up and down, bankruptcies, near bankruptcies, recessions, um, but had sort of almost parked all of those assets uh, to the side when thinking about a weight and wellness journey, almost thinking that they didn't have all of those skills. So 
talk a lot in the book about there's ways to assess your own strengths and, and online quizzes you can use to actually, we all have strengths to lean into those strengths. Can you Another give an example that, for everyone? Um, it could be your strength is humor. It could be your strength is perseverance. It could be your strength is honesty. And there's a list of 24 of these character strengths. You can go to the VIA Institute and, and take the, the, their assessment online. And what that says then is look for ways that you can make this journey. How could you lean into your own humor? How could you start to chart things that are entertaining? How could you start to bring your humor? If, you're, if you have the, the skill of persistence or self-perseverance, how could you use that in the journey? And the, the, the qualitative shift that happens is that people then begin to feel like, again, they're leaning into their strengths rather than trying to fix weaknesses. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. It's just a position. If you start in like I'm weak and I have to be fixed, there's no momentum there. Yeah. This just feels like a, a self-critical project. So, uh, and there's this, this is all this science comes from the, the science of positive psychology. A lot of the stuff I'm talking about in terms of self-compassion and leaning into your strengths um, is a relatively new science, meaning 30, 30-ish years now. Uh, in the psychology field that really has demonstrated benefits, not just for weight and wellness. Um, I wrote the book because I think it's not paid attention to enough there, but in all areas of positive psychological functioning. Yeah. And and honestly, whenever you focus on something, I always tell people, you know, there are people who are super successful and then their relationships aren't doing great. Or someone has the perfect relationship, but their career isn't going well. Or it's there's never a perfect harmony that you're going to have because we can only focus on so many things. So where I learned this with Tony Robbins, where focus goes, energy flows. So if this year you're saying I'm going to attack my health and I'm going to focus on that, you know, there are things that are going to get a little bit less attention, but you're going to focus on this right now. And then you're going to shift your, when you get steady here, you're going to shift your focus over there. And that's just kind of how it goes. Right. So I think that, like when you were talking about your skill set, it's knowing that they apply across the board and, and you're just going to be shifting when you're using them and for what you're using them. It's exactly right. Yeah. The, the, the fewer the goals, the more likely they'll be accomplished to your Mm -hmm. point about the energy and being focused. Um, the, the, the fifth shift that I talk about, and this might be surprising to folks is how important it is to like your body, no matter what you weigh. People often see weight loss as a way to improve how they feel about their body. And in fact, when people lose weight, they do tend to feel better about their body. 
But studies that I've done personally and many of my colleagues have done have shown time and time again that the better you feel about your body at the beginning of a weight loss journey, the more weight you lose. Hmm. And it's because, again, if this is this self-recrimination, I'm trying to fix weaknesses, I can only like myself or my body when I lose weight. It's a very contingent sense of self-worth, and it doesn't give your body the reverence and respect that it needs. And this is this is probably the most difficult shift to master, in my experience, Hmm. because of all the external noise that, that confuses weight and worth. So one of the things that's useful to do in situations like that is start to look at your body functionally rather than the aesthetic that the ideal that the society has given you as this arbitrary ideal. So instead of looking at your arms and thinking about how flabby they are or this or that or your legs or your belly, think about what your arms do for you on a daily basis. You pick up groceries, you can hug loved ones, you can pick things like it's actually pretty remarkable. And just getting that distance from my legs, arms, whatever, to this or to that, to looking at what my body does for me, my legs, they actually can take me up steps. They can get me around in the world. It's actually a powerful, beautiful machine of of functionality. And Mm -hmm. we sometimes get so bogged down in how it looks or what society tells us. So that's one small step along the way of appreciating your body for what it does rather than viewing it as some sense of your worth. I like that. Yeah. It's so important, especially in a society that is dominated by, by weight and shape-based stigma. Well, luckily, luckily right now we live in such a body positive time. I mean, when I was losing weight, that was not necessarily the case. I I grew up in the supermodel era of waifs and God forbid you had a little hip and I had hip and I had butt and I was Greek and that's just how it was. Um, and so it, it, it was a different time. Now there are so many women leading that body positivity charge. Um, and I, and I, even my own example, just realizing I did kind of start from that place because I didn't have any problem with how I was. Everyone else did. And I was aware of that. And I remember thinking I'm really strong. I, I mean, my legs were so strong. I could like lift anything. So that's interesting. If you can shift your focus there, obviously that's a challenge if you're not there, but if you can start to be aware of that process being something that can help you on your way. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it goes back to this premise of small changes make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Again, don't expect to go from hating your body to loving your body overnight. But if you can start to move from this being preoccupied with the societal ideal that's imposed and arbitrary and moving it to functionally appreciating what your body does, it's a move in the right direction. And again, the science around that uh, is really tight. Um, the sixth shift is really around finding your people. And again, because of the moral uh, connotations around weight and eating, um, people think like, I got myself into this and I have to get myself out of it. Um, and I don't deserve to ask for help. And nothing could be further from the truth. Again, grounded in self-compassion. If you want help with things, you absolutely have the right to ask. And what I go into in the book is how you do that. Just really briefly it's to be very specific about it. So honey, would you please help me isn't helpful because then honey decides what's helpful and what's not. So could you help me by uh, watching the kids after dinner so I can take a walk? Uh, Could you actually stop doing some things that make it more difficult for me, like rolling your eyes when I order a dessert Mm. or asking me, is that on your diet? Those things aren't helpful. So I'd really appreciate that. Second step of that, again, based in specificity, is to thank people or give them feedback when they do or don't do it. So not thanks for being supportive, but thanks. I noticed I ordered dessert the other night and you didn't make any comments. That's really helpful to me. And that kind of can create a positive cycle. Now, for some, they're fundamentally saboteurs. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. Then that requires a proper conversation that I've asked you a couple of times to do this. It doesn't seem to be happening. And then you can explore um, that on a deeper level. So it's just really so important to get community um, 
our founder at WW had this insight uh, almost 60 years ago. It's easier to do this with other people than mm-hmm. by yourself. Well, and so, also who you're surrounding yourself with. If you're surrounding yourself with people who aren't on that journey with you, who are going to want to eat in the way that you don't want to eat, you have to shift that. And that's what I remember I did the same thing. I shifted who I spent time with. I actually spent more time alone so that I could just stay focused then, um, or I'd go to bed really early. <laughs> I would drink, I drink water and I'd go to bed early and say, if I go to bed early, that's less of a chance for me to eat something bad <laughs> through the night. Um, but you know, not putting yourself in those positions while you're focusing on this also is really helpful because yeah, the person next to you wants you to be like them. They don't want you to have the willpower that they can't have because then they're going to look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both, right? There are ways to manage your environment to decrease the high-risk situations, but there are other ways to be creative about uh, meeting people for cocktails, but maybe going a little later. So you have one mm-hmm. instead of two or three, or mm-hmm. you don't want to leave your life to lose weight, right? If it starts to feel that you have to go away, that again, the the, the analogy that comes to my mind is this dieter's prison, that that's diet talk, right? Mm-hmm. That's my, I've got to change my whole social life. And it's also part of empowering yourself to say to people, could we meet for coffee instead of cocktails every once in a while? Mm-hmm. Like those kind of things make a difference. And it, it it's, it's fundamentally saying that I'm worth taking care of. And again, offering to friends are the things I can do to help you on your journeys. It's not yeah. a one way street. Or let's go for a hike instead. Let's go for exactly. a walk. I know that it's it's really it's it's similar to a lot of other journeys. You have to be aware of who you're going to spend your time with and how you're going to spend your time. So, for example, I know if I am going to have a few drinks, I'm going to make poor choices all across the board. So, I love a good cranberry juice and club soda. <laughs> Just a little yeah. mix, you feel like you're carrying something, you're good, but now I'm not going to end up through the in and out drive through late night because I've had a few drinks. And so you have to, when you're focusing on a goal, you have to start to focus about how are you going to succeed in that and what positions can you put yourself in or not put in so that you can succeed. Exactly. And then the last shift we talk about is the idea of leaning in to gratitude and happiness. And again, leveraging a lot of the science and positive psychology As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And often on a a weight and wellness journey, people will say, use the premise, I can't be happy until I lose weight. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is don't believe that nonsense. You can be happy right now. There are scientifically proven ways that you can increase your happiness independent of your circumstance. Certainly circumstance in life has some impact, but a simple technique called three good things where you think about three, you can do this in the morning, you can do it in the evening. Um, Some uh, people have talked to me, this is the way they do mealtime with their kids. When they have adolescent kids who are, how was your day? Fine. How was school? Fine. It can actually open up a little dialogue in a positive way. And what this technique is, if it takes more than five minutes, you're doing it for too long, is think about three things that brought you pleasure. Could be something simple like the smell of a great cup of coffee, uh, connecting with an old friend, pride in a child's account, whatever it is, big, small, medium, doesn't make any difference. And just wallow in that. Just like take yourself back to it. Smell the coffee again. Think about your delight when you heard from an old friend. Uh, Think about the pride and the accomplishment when you got some compliment, whatever it was, 
And just that act actually improves happiness. So that's point one. Point two is to not make your life, your happiness, your contentment based on your weight. I've heard people say time and time again, I'll dress in nicer colors. I'll get out of a bad marriage. I'll look for a new job when I lose weight. Do those things now. Don't put your life on hold till you lose weight. Mm -hmm. And one of that is to embrace gratitude on a daily basis and also to do things that make you happy now and not make them contingent on some number on a scale. I think that's great. Dr. Fester, how are you guys incorporating this research into Weight Watchers? I'm curious. Yeah, we, back in 2000, I guess the end of 2015, the beginning of 2016, um, we went from a two component program, which was largely around nutrition and activity. And we introduced mindset. And this was where I started to get, I'd sort of been noticing this, but when we heard it from people, we spend a lot of time talking to people about how they're thinking. Um, and when they, what the, how they encapsulated it was, I need help keeping my head in the right space. And so mm-hmm. we, we then, as we do as a company, is go and look for the science. What's the science that would help with this problem to solve? And that's when I got more exposed, frankly, to positive psychology, knew a lot about cognitive behavioral therapy, and usually and we combine those. So what we do is, as we do in the book, but also in our program, is to distill all of this science, give people a reason to believe about why it's important, but importantly, because we're a company of how to change, not just what to change, we give people practical, actionable techniques, like the three good things as an example, talk to yourself like a friend. Uh, Another one that we talk a lot about is act as if you're being interrogated by a lawyer. So when you say, you know, I'm right back where I started, or I've blown it, what if a lawyer said to me, what exactly is the proof that you've blown it? What's the evidence mm. to support that? And again, you can sort of have fun with it, but it again brings this compassionate realism. This isn't about think happy thoughts and lose weight because sometimes you have to have sober conversations with yourself to say, hey, mm. if I want to do things differently, I'm going to need to think differently and 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 make a new action plan. So that's really how this, this research, which started in a, a really a problem to solve, we leveraged then the science and then we baked it into our program. And then since then, we've added sleep as a fourth component, because if people aren't sleeping well, they're not thinking well, they're not eating well, they're mm-hmm. not moving well, not working well, not great in relationships. So um, now we've gone from this two compartment model, if you will, to four different pillars of our program. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, when you're not sleeping, that's when you're going to be reaching for a lot of the things to give you those highs to get through your day, whether it's sugar or sugary coffee or um, any of those things. Um, there is also something else you just said that I, I thought of. Um, oh, Dr. Amen. Are you familiar with Dr. Daniel Amen? Mm-hmm. He's been on the show many times and he taught us something really cool that I loved. And it was, is that statement 100% true? So anytime we're catastrophizing in our home about anything like, oh my God, it's over, or this is terrible, or this person did this, and you're like, is that 100% true? Do you have proof that that person thinks that of you? And then it just blows the bubble instantly. We're like, no. Okay, then. So now we don't have to sit here and continue this narrative that is probably not true. Um, And so the same thing, I like being able to apply that in the in, in this world, I think that's great. Um, yeah, it's really, we call them reality checks and you can do them. You can say like, is it 100% true? Mm-hmm. You can act like a lawyer. You can ask what a friend would say. All those are different ways to solve the same problem that our thoughts are often automatic. They're often irrational. And bottom line is they're not helpful. If it helped to beat yourself up in some weird way, we might recommend it. I don't think we would, even, but <laughs> it wouldn't. It, it's not helpful. So no. it's not only painful; it's it's ineffective. Yeah. No. I. You know what? I I remember even different trainers I've worked with throughout the years. If they there was one trainer, her name's Andrea Orbeck. I love her. We should actually have her back on the show. She would say, "Oh, just do what you can. Oh, you can't do that. No, no, no. It's okay." And I'm like, "No, I can do it." 
And then I would like rise. But if she was trying to just like, you know, slap me over the back, I would be like, hey, no, get off me. Like, I can't. No, I can't. So everybody also is a different um, a different technique that works for them. So you have to find sure. the one that works for you. I am laughing right now because I'm remembering um, my charts. I have a photographic memory and I'm, uh, a chart popped up and I realized... When I was doing this and I was really focusing, that's when I started getting my Weight Watchers meals because they had the, I think, were they called smart ones or something back in the day? Yeah, back in the day they were. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not crazy. And no. uh, and I loved it because I would get the chickens, ziti, broccoli. It was like a fettuccine Alfredo thing. And I was like, oh my God, I can have fettuccine Alfredo and this tastes so good. Um, but then it was just the amount that you need. And it was really good to have those, especially in college, because I could just pop it in the microwave and it was so easy. But I'm laughing right now, a full circle moment. Um, I didn't even realize the book was, was with Weight Watchers till right now. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, that's kind of funny. So yeah. And again, it's, it helps. to your point about there's different ways for people to manage it. Some people, uh, use those things on occasion, meaning frozen foods or entrees. Um, one of the things that's really important to think about, and it certainly is a mantra, um, in our program is that all foods are on the menu. So if you're just doing this food or that food or this form or that, it's not going to work. It's mm-hmm. just, it, it just, it's not sustainable. So, um, the, the, the thinking around the science around effective weight management has changed since, you know, 60 years ago when our program was founded to right now, which is, but all along the way it's grounded in science and grounded in what's the truth of the human experience. What Mm -hmm. actually is going to resonate with people in a way that they find that they can do that makes it easier and more livable. I love it. Well, Dr. Foster, this is great. It's the, um, the most undiet diet, perspective talk I think I've ever had. Um, and I think it's really, really helpful for people to have it almost like simplified to let's be kind to ourselves and just make better choices and just head in the direction of where you want to go without having all of these restrictive things that you are putting in your brain. I really, really like it. So, um, thank you for taking the time to share this with us. Of course, the book is called The Shift, Seven Powerful Mindset Changes for Lasting Weight Loss. It's out now. Um, We're going to link that in the description. And you can follow Dr. Gary Foster on Twitter. It's just at Dr. Gary Foster. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maria. Pleasure to be with you. Okay. Queen. That was great. I loved it. I loved it. I thought that that was really cool. I I wrote down a couple. I want to start doing three good things just in general, like Mm. for my life. I love that. And I also really liked interrogate yourself like a lawyer Oh yeah, because we all do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I even did that with my SIBO stuff. Like I would have, you know, whatever it was, I would not, or I would eat in my three hour window versus like waiting the four. And I'd be like, I ruined everything. And then I'd be like, okay, Kelsey, they said three to four. You're fine. Like, you know, so I yeah, think just, the perfectionists in us have, yes. have a hard time when we're yes. not perfect. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed that. I think it's just such a cool way, a cool, healthy kind of 21st century way to look at, you know, weight loss. Yeah. I think it's really awesome. And I'm laughing now because when I was doing the intro and I was like, he's the officer at WW. You're like, what does that mean? He's <laughs> like, I don't understand. What is she writing here? And then now I see the WW on here. Yeah. I had no idea what that meant. Hilarious. I was like, oh, I don't know what that is, but. I actually kind of never noticed it till I was sitting here and I was like, what is that? And I'm not going to lie. I don't think I noticed the WW on the cover either. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like so I interesting. Knew. It is interesting. Um, but then as I'm sitting here, I was like, oh my God, I remember having the smart ones meals because it was like, oh, easy, delicious. Yeah. Because by yeah. the way, you got to keep it simple. You don't want it to be this arduous process where you have to go food shopping, doing all this stuff that you're never going to keep up with. So if you need to like have a few of those in, in your, your playbook to kind of keep it simple so that you can like accomplish, everything can be temporary, everything, whatever it is you got to do just to, truly, to make it happen. Truly. Um, so anyway, I had a, a really cool idea of something I'm going to do for all of you. 
Oh, um, but I'm, it's a secret. It's a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking when you guys were talking about this, it's funny. I grew up, my mom uh, was a nutritionist at Granny, Jenny Craig for Ooh. like a lot of my life. And mm. we used to always have the Jenny Craig meals in the um, cabinet just for like backup. So yeah. I would like throw two of them on like, you know, a thing of rice or whatever, but it is nice. Now I just have, you know, the Trader Joe's little grab and go. It's nice to have those. So it doesn't like fully consume your life. Right. Right? Yeah. It's like it can't. It can't become that because then it just becomes this like whole thing and you hate it and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. So I agree with you. Nice to have those on hand. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful to you all. Let us know in the comments. If you haven't hit subscribe, please do. We um, we would love that here on YouTube. Obviously, uh, you'll never miss an important show. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Better Together with Maria. And if you haven't joined us on Patreon, this is a great time to do that. We give you an extra episode a week, ad-free shows. So all of our shows in Patreon are ad-free. Mm-hmm. And at the $10 tier, you get weekly bonus. Uh, or no, I already said that. You get the monthly heal event um, where we bring in some of our incredible guests to lead an entire uh, event with all of you in a very intimate way. So um, it's a really good gift for yourself. A lot of these practitioners aren't even practicing on the individual basis anymore, so they're hard to get to. But we are giving you access because we love to do that. So um, we will link to all of that in the summary of this episode to make it easy for you. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Heal Squad. We have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.